Greetings! Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Foley. And, wow, we've got a great episode in store for you tonight. Humdinger. Tonight, we are watching Haven. Episode 10 yes. in Season 1. It's The episode numbering is weird. Like, this is technically Episode 11, right. but that's because Encounter at Farpoint is... is a two-parter. It's a two-parter. It's considered two episodes. We don't consider it two episodes. Encounter at Farpoint is one episode. This is our 10th episode, because this is the 10th show. Exactly. It's called Haven, and this is our very first encounter with Loxana Troy. Oh, yeah. Majel Barrett Roddenberry, the voice of the computer, uh, Nurse Chapel from the original series, mm-hmm. wife of Gene Roddenberry. The voice of the computer. I, I said that. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, I'll edit this out. Did you mention she's Nurse Chapel? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, edit, I'll edit all of that out, and you won't sound stupid Aww. in front of our viewers. So, Haven. Loxana Troy is a kind of an interesting character in Trek, because it's really easy to hate her. Yeah, She's iconic, I guess. I mean, she's a foil for Picard in a way. Irritates him at every turn. Uh, Embarrassing him. It seems like a lot of the time, most of the writers, when they create characters that are supposed to come into conflict with Picard in non-adversarial kind of ways, they're always, or even adversarial, they're always kind of butting up against his stuffiness, so they play the opposite way. (laughs) You know, Q is very, like, spontaneous and gregarious, and so is Troy, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Vash. Is that her name? Oh, yeah. Vash? Vash. Yeah, yeah. I'm never sure how to pronounce that. But yeah, so here's... Loxana Troy and she suffers from an excess of personality and truly in this episode she's really grating and very annoying and yeah, vain, arrogant, yeah. brash kind of like Kaczynski except Troy's mother Yeah, basically. Well she becomes more endearing though over time I suppose. Yeah, yeah. well I mean there's a certain charm to Loxana Troy eventually Yeah, it's hard at the beginning but she is funny regardless of how much you like her as a person she's interesting and she's funny and she certainly throws the show off back balance because she's you so... You know what crazy thing she's gonna do next? Yeah. Holy shit. Will Here's... she be naked? We don't know. Probably. We can only hope not. But uh, yeah, so this episode, it starts really weird. Riker and Yar have arrived at the transporter room because something's being beamed up from Haven, which... A paradise planet. Not unlike Ryza, where people go to... It's basically Ryza before they came up with Ryza. Yeah. So they're getting this thing sent up. They don't know what it is, but not knowing what it is, they beam it up anyways. Let's beam it up anyway. Chief of Security, stick your face right into the box and see what it is. And then for some reason that's not really explained, Troy just shows up. She just walks into the transporter room like, hey, hey what's going on in here? And he just sticks her, sticks her head in the door. Hey, what, yeah, what's hey, up, guys? what's going on in here? What are you guys doing in here? Is chocolate in here? As it turns out, it actually is. There's a box, and this box has a face on it. Mm-hmm. And that face... Celebrity appearance. Armin Shimmerman. Technically, his first job on Star Trek, even though... He um, was also a Ferengi. That episode actually aired before this one. This one was filmed first. Haha. So Trivia go. for you Trekheads out there. Yeah. Uh, there's Armin Shimmer and Quark as the face of this uh, box. And yeah, it's... It- weird. Like, it comes to life and lets us know the jubilation of... Uh, the impending nuptials of our good Counselor Troy and some guy. Some guy we've never met. Hooray! And then the box vomits out a whole bunch of rupees yeah. and pearls and stuff. Yeah, Tasha Yar, looking a lot like Link, just starts gathering them up. Can't blame her. I think that's just what happens. Yeah. And then we get our opening credits. Yeah, um, so, oh, Troy's getting married and everyone didn't know this was coming, including Troy. And then Riker's all like, oh! Right. <laughs> He, uh, he There's a little bit of butthurt going yeah, on. Yeah, which is funny because we haven't really had a lot of Riker-Troy romance since Encounter at Farpoint. Well, the idea is supposed to be they had a romance in the past. Yeah. And- 
this is now. Yeah, so in it, the past. it's a little weird that you know Riker is getting all bent out of shape over this uh, Im- impending uh, wedding when he hasn't really been making any kind of moves to reignite this uh, relationship that he once had with the ship's counselor. Right. So, but now all of a sudden that someone else might be getting hurt. He's like, yeah, it's okay that we're not together. And I'm getting all sorts of booty elsewhere. Oh, he was basically he was watching yeah. the Spice Channel in his quarters. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the harp. The, what the, was that? When was that? Was that before this or? Uh, no, that was uh, that was right before he went to the transporter. Room. Right, that's right. Yeah, so they call him up. He's like, yeah, someone's coming into the transporter. He's like in the middle of watching two two harpists playing the harp as yeah. on this holographic table. Two in sexy his room. harp ladies. Yeah, I guess that's like, this is what passes for entertainment in the 24th century. They don't have TV anymore, but you know, you you watch two yeah. harpists playing poorly. Like, I've I've listened to harpists and, you know... It's, it's like Italian TV. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, this is Earth's number one rated television show. He was just tuning in. It was unreal and uh, weird. And then he's yeah. all, like, apologetic, like, sorry, ladies, duty calls. Yeah. Click. He's been all over ladies all over the place, you know? He certainly was a big fan of the ladies in Justice. Yeah. But now that Troy might be getting married, all of a sudden he's all possessive and shit. Like, wow, dude, uh, seriously. Well, maybe this is, to, again, more of the character exposition. We're supposed to realize he's not just a swinger yeah. or whatever. <laughs> But it's interesting because later she will be giving him shit for his human sensibilities on the holodeck. She's like, I should have known that uh, you as a young, immature human male would be unable to cope with platonic love versus, you know, physical Physical love. love. And I I find that a little disingenuous because what they had wasn't platonic love. Like, hey, we don't know what they had. Well, we kind of do, because remember, at the beginning of that uh, scene, she's well, like, oh, I'm not in Zoddy to you anymore, and he's all like, well, you taught me, that means my beloved. Right, but and what do we really have to go on? It's all hearsay. I found that a little that scene a little weird, because she's all kind of miffed that he doesn't call her Imzadi anymore. It's like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be calling you Imzadi, because I'm not about to marry you. You're married now. You're about to marry another guy, and maybe he might not be comfortable with me calling you Imzadi. Maybe you should think about that. Well, before we get too much into that, maybe yeah. we should point out the fact that this is 100% of betrothal. Yeah, yeah. Troy's never even met the guy that she's going to marry. Yeah, this is an arranged marriage. Counselor Troy's parents, Loxana is a Betazoid, and her father was human. The, uh, what are their names? The Millers? Yeah, the Millers. Our human family. They were her father's best friends. Yes. And the, the two children, Wyatt and Deanna, were, what do they call it, gene bonded? Yeah, genetic bonding is what they called it, which In is a Betazoid tradition. Term. Not clear what it is. Might involve a blood oath, perhaps. I'm not sure. They were betrothed as children's and now that the Millers track down Loxana to carry through with this because I can't imagine why the Millers don't seem that into Beta Z culture it's just in this fact, is tradition yeah it is weird in, in fact the, the mother seems dismissive of Beta Z culture and traditions she's perfectly happy to see her son married to Deanna Troy because of a Beta Z tradition but then she's horrified at the notion that they would be having a Beta Z wedding and not a traditional human wedding it's kind of weird yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense like they're a little all over the place in their portrayal here she finds like the whole gene bonding thing romantic but she kind of picks and chooses her uh, her beta z culture she does have a nice hat she's like the kind of person that's like oh a bindi looks cool so i'm gonna wear that but i don't know any of the cultural significance behind it i just think it's neat 
maybe, yeah. So yeah, they go through with the betrothal, but part of the reason perhaps is because Wyatt, the son of the Millers, who apparently has never seen Troy and didn't bother to find a picture of her in any of this process. Yeah, yeah. Has been having visions since he's, since childhood of this mysterious woman who he's never met and who he draws creepy pictures of. Mm-hmm. He assumes it's Troy. He assumes that because she's Beta Zed, she has been projecting herself into his mind yeah. in what I can only describe as... Mind rate, which is... It's strong. uh, No, no, no. I mean, whoever has been projecting herself into Wyatt's mind hasn't been asking permission to do this. It's just been like, this is my face! Love it. Yeah, so he 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 draws this this lady. So he assumed that was Troy, and that's why I think he pursued the the wedding, yeah. only to then be disappointed when he first meets Troy and realizes it isn't her. Oh shit! She's been lying to me in my brain. Can you think? It would have been that hard to find a photo of Troy? But he, he would didn't think. He didn't bother. He just like let's go. Let's full speed ahead with the betrothal. There's there's a term for this in online dating. There was a documentary about it, and then there's a which got turned into a TV show. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, you misrepresent yourself to somebody online and then you turn like with different photos or whatnot and then you turn out to be something else turn out to be a guy yeah oh god catfished or something like that Sure, okay. Yeah, so Wyatt gets his first look at Deanna, and yeah, he, he totally feels catfished there, because... Like, I thought like, she was going to be a guy! I thought she was I thought she was going to be, like, no. blonde with feathered hair, but yeah. no, she's a... Uh, she's a brunette with a circuit board on her head. Yeah. Or whatever that hair thing is. Prophetic of the uh, internet dating age. Wyatt just it boils down to just Wyatt just didn't do his homework. Yeah. This would have been easy, easy, would have easy been. situation to avoid, and he just didn't bother. Demerits for him. I also get the impression that his parents were keen to get him married because Wyatt really comes off as kind of an awkward, introverted kind of kid. Wearing Mork's outfit? For... Yeah, he, he looks like he's wearing like this gray version of Mork from Orcs uh, yeah. costume. Overall, uh, this episode, I really felt there was a real um, 80s figure skating vibe going on. <laughs> like... He, he does have a Brian Boitano thing going on. He's got on. it. The the lady, like the the electorate of Haven, the the a representative from the Haven planet, is basically wearing a figure skater's costume and has crazy hair. Yeah, she's uh, like they they don't have any defenses on Haven. They've it's dedicated all the resources are dedicated to their figure skating yeah, program. Yeah, uh, hairstyling too. We have no weapons. All we have are curlers and dryers. We have a dangerous stockpile of moose. Moose. Though. So much moose. Uh, I, that's probably where uh, where Tasha Yar got her supply for uh, her hairdo, which we'll get to momentarily. This is a great episode for hair. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a uh, there's a dinner. Yeah, they have a betrothal dinner, like to announce the whole thing. Where and there's, there's everybody's got like their hair all done up, including Crusher. Yeah, Doctor Crusher's hair is weird in that scene. Like it doesn't really flatter her. It was weird because like earlier in the episode, her hair was kind of huge. Like she had so much hair going it's, on. And it's it, just two radically different wigs. Or yeah. hair pieces or whatever the hell she's doing, yeah. like because in the uh, at, at the dinner she's got her hair all kind of tied up and like yeah. small and it looks kind of short. But it almost looks like in the in the dinner scene it's like it's her real hair and then they just stuck an extra thing on the back. Whereas mm-hmm. in the previous scene she was like full on wearing a wig. It, yeah, like wearing a giant wig. The really impressive hair award uh, has <laughs> to go to Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar takes who a looks cake. like yeah she looks like she belongs in like an eighties nouveau like new wave punk band. She looks like Billy Idol. Like her hair is like moosed into the stratosphere it yeah. is 
huge and swooping and spiky and wow. Yeah, like, like a rock set cover. Yeah, words can't really do it justice. Um, it's awesome. I will, tr- I will try to remember to include a picture of this when I post this on the website. Oh, we have the best line of the show, which is, uh, you know, Data asks if everybody could please continue the petty bickering. The parents basically have like a pissing contest, and Troy storms out of the room, knocking over Mr. Holmes' ceremonial bell. She She's gone. Yeah, like, on purpose. Like, she doesn't accidentally bump into it. She, like, sweeps that thing off the table mm-hmm. because he's been, he's been bringing this gong all through dinner because apparently it's a Beta Z custom to give thanks for the food that they're receiving to ring a gong. Like, every five seconds? Yeah, every five to ten seconds during the meal. It's super annoying. Like almost every Beta Z custom that we are exposed to. Beta Z customs that seem to involve trolling everybody else. Loxana is just spends the entire time annoying the hell out of Wyatt's mom. Yeah, although we forgot to mention uh, when Loxana Troy arrives, she has the captain take her bag to oh, yeah. her room, like her suitcase, and the thing like is apparently a million pounds because Picard is like heaving it and can barely. Yeah, Troy it. is mortified. When I say Troy, I'm always talking about uh, Deanna Troy because nobody calls Loxana Troy Troy. Mr. Hom is there, of course, another yeah. awesome character. Yeah, uh, played by the same gentleman who played Lurch in the Adams Family movies. He's a a, a tall individual. His yeah. job is more or less to just uh, look serene and carry heavy bags, drink and a drink. lot, drink a lot, and then hit that gong. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad job. And, and then, you know, surprise everybody at the end of the episode by speaking. Thanks for the drinks. Anytime, giant man. That scene ends with Troy charging out of the room. And mm-hmm. then we get a little scene in the... Um, the holodeck? In, in the holodeck. But, in, but almost immediately after that, we're back on the bridge. So sometime in there, Yar had time to, I guess, unmoose her hair. Do you think we have, like really advanced demoosing technology. Yeah. In the uh Well they talk about like sonic showers, right? Like maybe yeah, you yeah. can maybe they can do that, pull that off in five seconds. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not moose at all. Maybe it's like a complicated system of force fields. Maybe it's synthamoose, like the effects <laughs> of which can be easily shaken off. Much like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about or did we talk about synthahol? We talked about we talked a lot about synthahol. Okay, before. like I know we talked about it, but I couldn't remember if we talked about it just you and me or whether we talked about no, it on no. an episode. It was on I was on last episode. Was it? Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Then we won't talk about it again now. Disregard. So anyways, replicators, right? Yeah, yeah, what about And them? they can do every <laughs> They can. We'll just do an episode entirely on replicators. Well, maybe, okay, here's the thing about the sonic showers. Like, I mean, if it doesn't require water and it just can be done with sound waves, Mm -hmm. there's no real reason why you couldn't build one of those into the turbo lift for really, like, for emergency situations where you have to go from a dignitary function to, like, a, I don't know, or a bridge function. Maybe the captain could, like, well, Picard, this isn't an issue, I suppose, but everybody else is like, oh, I need to freshen up en route to the bridge. You wouldn't strip down nude, I suppose, but, like, maybe, maybe, like, if this situation is perfect, like, Yara's got all this crap in her hair, she needs to look more professional. Yeah, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want her hair all moosed up when she's on the bridge because yeah, a, someone might see her. Exactly. <laughs> she doesn't want to like offend the uh, electorate of uh, you can't Haven be, because she's got like way cooler hair, crazy hair. Yeah, she'll be like. <gasps> No, I mean this is an action situation. She's got to have like, yeah, she got to look presentable. So uh, maybe, maybe they could, maybe that could be built right into the turbo lift. In later seasons, of course, like Worf would have had to employ this too all the time with his, mm-hmm. his hair. Yeah, his huge hair. We're doing like a really bad job of summarizing this episode. We're all over the place today. I guess like, so. Sorry. We're just, we haven't even talked about the Tellarians yet. Okay, well let's talk about the Tellarians. Okay. Did we mention that Wyatt is a doctor? Oh, because he is. Yeah, and his making uh, him a more eligible bachelor, but also he's a rich doctor. I would say. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Why not Zoidberg? Yeah. 
<laughs> so anyway, his Wyatt's ambition in life is to cure people and to help them. Yeah, and he has a particular interest in like the Telerians. Yeah, and the pathology of biological weapons and diseases and such. Right. So the Telerians are from a planet that was once embroiled in a terrible war, a civil war that involved biological weapons. They poisoned themselves and both sides became infected with the plague that they created yeah. and mostly died out. However, the few that escaped went to other planets and infected other people. Yeah, and like destroyed other planets as well. Right. And then apparently... That's th cementing their, their status as outcasts. Yeah, they're the lepers of the universe, basically. And it was thought that like eight years ago, a year after the uh, Stargazer incident, or the Battle of Maxia, With the, the, the last... last Telerian ship was destroyed. Was, was it by the Antikins? Or? I can't remember who they said. It, it was something that starts with an A. Let's call it the Antikins just for fun. Sure. But lo and behold, here comes the another plague ship, as they're called, is quickly approaching Haven, which is why we hear from the electorate of Haven begging the Enterprise to blow the ship out of the sky because they want no part of the these yeah. space lepers. No plagues, please. Yeah, all our resources are tied up in moose. We don't yeah. have any way of <laughs> we, dealing we with them. We can't stop them. You know, and the Telerian ship is kind of an interesting design. It's got like this weird kind of rainbow orb in the middle. That's, uh, it's kind of cool. Looks cool. One of the scenes that I particularly like, which I found really weird, is like the electorate calls up the Enterprise. Like, they are almost in transporter range. You have to do something. And like, we're, we're not going to destroy them. It's like, you must. And then she hangs up. Mm -hmm. No, no further cajoling on her part. You must click. No, hangs That's up. It, yeah. So, so that was funny. She made her point. You know, because you know, as the leader of this planet, you'd think that she would be, you know, try harder to to push for this. But regardless of that, you know, Picard's waiting. Picard's like, yeah, we'll deal with it. Don't yeah, worry. We yeah. won't let them get in transporter range. You know, and then Dave's like, they're now in transporter range. And then Picard's like, like oh, well, shit. Whoops. Well, no, he's not. He's yeah. he's just like, well, then we've run out of time. We have to do something. It's like, no, it's no. It's too late. It's like, no. In the time it took you to say, well, I guess we have to do something now, they have already beamed down to the planet and killed everybody. You know, this, or potentially. That's what could have happened. This episode, I guess, kind of plays out like a Bollywood movie in the sense that everybody's obsessed with the whole wedding angle. Yeah. The ship, cartoonishly enough, it incapable of warp drive so it they saw it coming maybe 10 hours before yeah yeah and they've had all this time to deliberate and they do nothing until yeah you know the enterprise could have warped over to it in oh, like yeah. three seconds yeah and intercepted it well away from haven there was no reason that the enterprise needed to stay in orbit of haven no. you know but they no busy. they didn't they, they just were busy they just waited so that they could do their their wedding shit and then the like they arrive and it's like oh well now we have to do something get them in the tractor beam so they they, they grab them with the tractor beam and then he's like is the tractor beam secure can they beam down let it's me like, check <laughs> let uh... me check no they can't beam down oh good and that blows my mind i was just like what would what would have happened if the answer had been like yes they can and already have it's pretty sloppy. You know, it's very sloppy. It's Picard's just off his game because that, that damnable Loxana Troy is on He's board. Right. She has infected his mind with lust. Yeah. So at that point, we finally... The Talarians, who for some reason have just refused to engage in any communications this whole time that they've been in sensor mm -hmm. range, finally decide to say hi. And lo and behold, who should be appear on the view screen but the woman literally from Wyatt Wise Miller's dreams. dreams. Wyatt's dream girl is on the Talarian ship. Uh, inventor of the bear midriff. Yeah, the Talarian fashion sense seems to involve. Um, there appears to be a shortage of fabric on their ship. Yeah, no one can have a fully, a fully finalized. Yeah, outfit. like bear, bear midriffs, sleeves with those like you open know, arms, open all arm the way. sleeves. You know, so yeah. like like it's like they got like curtains on either side of their arm that are attached at cuffs. Maybe it's just really warm on their ship. It's uncomfortably warm on the plague ship. Could be, could be. Uh, maybe that's why her hair's all frizzy like that. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. Yeah. 
So, upon the discovery that his dream girl is on that plague ship, you know, Wyatt's like, oh, I'm gonna get over there. Mm-hmm. And nobody picks up on this. Dr. Crusher's like, you're acting all weird. He's like, wedding jitters. And then he goes, says goodbye to his parents. The dead giveaways he put back on his Mark and Mindy outfit, too. Yeah, and kisses Troy awkwardly. Oh, we forgot about the awkward kiss on the uh, holodeck. Oh, yeah. Earlier in the episode, there's like this... I guess it's supposed to be a romantic moment. Look, I'm I'm like the Princess Bride. I, I don't you know the story. I don't really want the kiss descriptions. You, I, you can I, evaluate. I'm, this I'm, if you I'll, want. I'll I'll just give you the very briefest of descriptions. It is the least passionate kiss in the history of kisses. If the Princess Bride is the most passionate kiss mm-hmm. on record, this is the opposite end of that scale their kiss both like all three of their kisses are so awkward and so lacking in any kind of passion or attraction or anything there's no urgency to these kisses there's no nothing it's just like our lips are pressed together and now they're not it's really bad so Columbo kissing Kevin Arnold might have had more passion (laughs) it's awful when he goes and says goodbye to his parents, and then he uh, uses this awful segue, you know, it's like, to Troy, you are so beautiful, but you looked best on the holodeck where we did this. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do their lip press again, because I think calling yeah. it a kiss is a disservice to kissing. It's, it's, it was a pretty smooth line. Uh... Yeah, they press their lips together, and then he leaves, and our empath, Deanna Troy... Never picks up on Never the fact he's about to the, leave their lives forever. Yeah, that he's about to basically commit suicide by transporting himself to a plague ship, thus exposing himself to and catching the deadly plague that they all have. You know, maybe maybe she did pick. We're not, we're not giving her enough credit here. Like, yeah. she was betrothed to this dude who she doesn't know, who clearly is in love with another woman. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's just like, this is for the best. <laughs> maybe. It doesn't really come off that way. It more comes off as, like, she's just clueless. Whereas, meanwhile, the entire audience is just like, oh, God. You know, this couldn't be more obvious if he had just said it to everybody. Seriously. He comes in. He says goodbye to his parents. Take All care right. of each other. What? Yeah, it's terrible. Who would say that? Wake up! Uh, so he beams over. Yeah. He sees all the horrible portraits of himself that that she has drawn over the years. So he can. So it's great because he can now put up his portraits of her right next to them. Yeah, yeah. And everybody else on the ship will just be nauseated by the two of them. Granted, all of his portraits of her are as a grown woman, and all of her <laughs> portraits of him, like they, they, her, all of hers her. progress from childhood up yeah. to adulthood. Not his. He just had a gallery of her looking like the lead singer from Heart. Yeah. So the Talarians are summarily impressed that he came over. Wow. We knew you. We always thought you'd have this courage. Yeah. We knew you would be so brave. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the dying club. Yeah. Do you know anything about medicine? <laughs> what what oh. a luck what a lucky stroke. Sorry. Yeah. I'm a doctor of philosophy, guys. Sorry. Oh well. So he goes over there and his mom's like, "No, bring him back." And Picard's like, "No. No. He's got he's so, got space leprosy now. He can't come back." Yeah. So he's going to try to uh, to cure these people. Yeah. And they're not going to go down to Haven after all because they got what they really came for, which is this little whiny kid. Hooray! So he goes off with them and... Um, and Riker breathes a sigh of relief because now he can continue his philandering without worrying about uh, Troy getting married. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, now I can go back to the harp ladies. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to call this one Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll call the other one Loaxana. In the life of a man. Of a man. Of a man. Of a man. Of a man.
as she's leaving walks on is like well it's a shame to let this wedding go to waste maybe I should get married to somebody right uh, the captain he's very attracted to me but he's a little too old maybe I should go for this one and the look of amusement on Riker's face yeah. is great and the uh, <laughs> and the, he has other obligations mother yeah. from Troy is Jesus. beautiful it's a uh, it's quite funny but you can see it on Riker's face it's like oh man the sweetest revenge ever fucking her mom weird so yeah this episode it's not one of the better episodes yeah it was it was fine it had some good stuff to make fun of it it did like i mean Riker watching the harp ladies made up for almost everything (laughs) else that's yeah one of the best things i've seen in season one so far you you could easily skip this episode and just just watch that scene and then yeah Season one is kind of replete with episodes that aren't really essential to your Star Trek experience, and no. I would say this is one of them. It's hard to advise someone who's never seen the series to just skip season one, Yeah, but you really could. It's just a lot of characters and people that we meet later on, or that mm-hmm. we see later on, are, we meet for the first time in season one. I exactly. Mean, like, if it wasn't for the fact that Dr. Crusher isn't in season two, I would I wouldn't have much to say about skipping season one well, that, in favor of season two. Unless but, you're, like us, you're a true connoisseur of sweater, oh, yeah. sweater game. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to miss out if you skip Oh, yeah, there one. was no Wesley in this He's episode. He's not in this episode at all. Well, There's no Worf in this episode either. Oh, hey, you're right. This is the other episode that Worf isn't in. That sucked. Wow, I, I totally... This episode was so boring, I totally didn't even notice their absence. It was Troy Heavy and Worf and Wesley Free. Yeah, For that I reason, guess, not, oh, over any other, I would give it my lowest rating ever. Yeah, I guess this is the Troy episode of this season. Every character is going to have their episodes that are, like, their character episodes. Like, And Troy episodes are never... They're usually heavy on the emotion. Troy episodes are rarely really good or good. I didn't think this one was actually that bad. It was all, it was fine. It was okay. Like I mean, I don't hate this episode the way like that say I hate Code of Honor. What rank would you give to this episode? What's what's your what's Foley's rank for this episode? You go junior lieutenant. Junior lieutenant? Yeah. All right. All right. I th- I think I'm in agreement with you on that. I'm going to go junior lieutenant cuz yeah. it's better than Ensign, but it's certainly not a full lieutenant. No. So I think probably every episode in season 1 is kind of crap. Mm-hmm. So they have to be ranked with that in mind. Yeah. Like, probably anything from any other season I'd rank ahead of watching one from season one. Yeah, even, like, when we get to other seasons, even episodes that we rank low, yeah. it should be it should be noted that there's a sliding scale here that... Uh, Whatever, you guys are smart, you know that. Yeah, you get it. Like, if I give an ensign to an episode in season four, it's probably better than a commander in season one. Unless it's Aquiel. <laughs> or that... Whatever that Crusher romance novel one is called. Oh god, the one where she's in love with a ghost. Yeah, like Terra. Is that season four? I no, season that was... seven. They're both. Yeah. Those are both season seven. Yeah, I think. holy. Yeah, season are... seven is kind of shit. But it ends strong. More like Star Trek. Am I right? Oh, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, did you uh, did you see the the new rank pip uh, images that loved I, it that I did? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, got rid of all that uh, aliasing crap oh. that used to be around the the pips. These pips are the the previous pips I had taken from online. These pips are all handmade by myself, lovingly crafted mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. Star Trek artisans. Yes, and I named Jeff. <laughs> named, named Jeff or Pags as you. Oh, either yeah, either is fine. I'm particularly proud. of of the the acting ensign uh, oh yeah bar that i made i think it's really good if you could have any of wesley crusher's sweaters 
or outfits. Expand it to anything he's ever worn on the show. What would you pick? I can only choose one? Yeah. Oh. Um, I've got to go with that peach sweater. <laughs> the, the peach loose thing with the loose collar? Yeah. Yeah, the the, 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 the finest sweater that he's worn that... Uh, that incorporates all manner of different uh, components. You know, it's got ribbing in some places. It's got satin finish in others. It's it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of using whatever leftover fabric you've got to <laughs> assemble something that resembles you know, it, a shirt. It, it could be used as a tent. It could probably be used as a parachute. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is the most amazing sweater I have ever seen. It's incredible. It's it's really good. But I also really like the season one acting ensign sweater. Me too. That's the one I want with the uh, with the bars. And did we talk about this in an episode, or were we talking? See, this is the problem with doing the podcast. Is now I'm never sure whether our discussions took place within an episode or not. So I don't know if we're repeating ourselves. We should never ever discuss Star Trek outside <laughs> of the podcast from now on. Impossible. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, how you uh, you pointed out to me that the color bars on the uh, acting oh, yeah, they... sweater are actually the colors of the three faculties of Starfleet science, engineering, and command uh, yeah. red, yellow, and uh Blue. I didn't realize that until we started watching this again, these series again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, and I never noticed either that they interlocked on the one side. Yeah, they, they interlock on the left shoulder, which you capture so beautifully with that. Yeah, that yeah, that's card. that. Uh, that was the piece de resistance. I fact checked it too. Like I looked mm-hmm. up the image so I would know which one crossed over. Oh, which did you? One. Nice. Uh, so, and so you're you're an arty guy, like, I am. and you you probably understand color theory. Like, what happens bit. when you mix those three colors together, red, yellow, and blue? Do you get a gray? mess like you the, get mud oh so it's kind of brownie yeah um so like if you were gonna buy star trek pajamas mm-hmm. or some you know a star trek shirt for yourself well okay when yes would you I, someone recently told me that they, they picked the color of pajama they wanted based on their actual vocation in real life oh interesting so would we, i'd never even you know considered what? that Let, let's pretend that that's why i got you the uh yeah yeah the the yellow ones because the yellow kind of works yeah, yeah because you're in com- like computer yeah stuff. exactly yeah. the uh, engineering kind of technical computery stuff yeah yeah it's kind of cool i don't know what i would get then because like well maybe yeah for you i don't cause know because you know i'm kind you're, of an artist uh-huh. you're kind of a renaissance man um, indeed I, so maybe maybe a more fun game is like we, what would we apply to other vocations that people have like where would you put an accountant yeah does starfleet even like wait oh and this i meant i meant a, a, a star trek fan of the show but oh listen but, but, yeah but this feeds into something we were talking about before we started recording here yeah. which was um do you think that Starfleet has like civilian contractors? And specifically, we were discussing oh, right. whether or not Deanna Troy might, in fact, be a civilian contractor because she doesn't wear a uniform per se. Like she's not in like I mean, except for she's Encounter in at Farpoint, she's just in like this kind of tweed jumpsuit thing. She's in her hair pantsuit, you know. And as a um, as a psychologist, would she necessarily be Starfleet through and through, or would she be like a civilian contractor? Like Starfleet needs a a, um, needs a counselor for their ships. Okay. Uh, she, being a practicing counselor, applies for the position and gets like kind of a non-com deal. I think in Deanna Troy's case specifically, um, I'm pretty sure we could research this and discover that I'm 99% sure she is a commissioned officer. However, your general question is more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, why not have somebody in that position? There's no reason why they would have to be a commissioned officer. Yeah, so Starfleet would employ accountants, but they wouldn't necessarily be Starfleet. 
Yeah, you know, like they would they would ha- they would be non-coms or something, or like they might or, have they might be given some nominal rank or whatnot, depending on the role on the ship. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, like I, mean, I always come back to my favorite character, Mott the Barber. Mott the Barber. I mean, not that a counselor is the same as that, but like like there's no reason why they had to have someone who's commissioned to fill that role. Yeah, and he's not. Yeah, but, and and presumably like we we talked about this like in the first episode too. I think about like does he get paid or is he just paid in room and board and adventure? Um, I would assume that Mott gets paid like a certain like a, a specific wage because you know adventure is fine but what happens when he gets to a planet like he's gonna need currency <laughs> he's, right he's denied shore leave just like everybody on the ship in this episode <laughs> yeah they were supposed to get shore leave like they talk about it at the beginning of the episode we're we're at haven we're going to relax here for a bit and then they totally don't you nope. know at the end of the episode we're like let's get the fuck out of here yeah. zoom just like the last planet too where everyone was promised shore leave no nope no shore leave everybody yeah. so yeah everyone who doesn't work on the bridge must be pissed at this point yeah but yeah i mean like i'm sure mott the barber must get paid in some way well yeah that, you know when that, he when they get to places you know what's he gonna do down there if he has no way to like i don't know so i i assume that you know as starfleet officers are probably probably given like a i don't know if it's a per diem or or what have you where they get uh, starfleet credits or whatever it is that they can use so you're talking about when they go to like non-federation planets yeah or you know even within the federation like i'm sure currency Is in there some currency, form though I, I, in, we're supposed I'm to believe sh- that there isn't i'm sure in su- in some form or another currency still exists but okay the uses of it are are the question you know, the only, like, the like only... cisco's dad and his restaurant does do people just go there and eat for free because cisco's dad likes to cook or do they pay for their meals i don't know in some way you the know, only, are the, they paying him for his his time and expertise? So the only the only like concrete canon mention of any type of credit system that I can think of on Star Trek is uh, like in the Federation and the Federation planets are on Earth specifically are transporter credits. Mm-hmm. Like people seem to be given this allotment of how much you can beam around. Yeah. Like otherwise, I guess you could just beam willy nilly, and where would we be then? I don't know why they restricted, <laughs> but apparently they do. And I, I think it seems silly too, because like with travel being what it is, you know, I mean, beaming might be faster, but not considerably faster than you know taking a shuttlecraft. Because oh, be totally faster. You well, like, yeah, well, instantly. Be, it well, yeah. It, of course, it, it will be faster, but. It's not going to be so extremely faster that, like, if you're out of transporter credits, you... Oh, well, I'm just not going to go to Paris because now it's 20 minutes away instead of 20 seconds away. I don't know. There's obviously some energy cost involved. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's how Cisco's restaurant operates. He just accepts transporter credits. Just because you're part of the Federation doesn't mean that your planet no longer uses uses uh, <laughs> right. currency, you know? Right. And, uh, of course, the Enterprise is morally is above just replicating more of their currency to give shit to people before they yeah. get So So I imagine that, you know, as a Starfleet officer, you probably get a wage or, you know, a specific am- amount of uh, credits. Now, because the acquisition of wealth is no longer the primary motivating concern, you know, like that's not why people get into Starfleet, but Starfleet still rec- probably still recognizes that, you know, despite the fact that they don't need this specifically to live anymore, there are things for which our uh, 
So do you think everybody gets the same stipend? Like, does Picard get the same stipend as Mott when they go to a... Probably not. When they go like to a planet? I, like, I imagine that there is a, a, a system involved in terms of, like, how much each pers- person gets and why. I don't know. The barber probably doesn't get as much as Picard because the barber doesn't necessarily have to put his life at risk, nor does... Ah, but the barber's no- been collecting tips from everybody on the ship the whole time. Uh, well, true. I don't remember how we got onto this tack. That's, that's ten minutes on, uh... <laughs> I don't even know. I Does don't, Starfleet have graphic designers? Whether or not anybody gets paid, I think it's pro- it, it would make sense where appropriate to bring outside people that are non-commissioned outside of Starfleet mm-hmm. onto the ships to fill certain roles. Yeah, if they don't have like, someone that can do it inside. Like, does someone within Starfleet design the uniforms, design all of the, the logos and emblems and stuff? Or Who do, knows? Or do they hire a design firm to do that for them? Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to Starfleet Academy. What are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm going to get into engineering. What are you doing? Oh, I'm getting into graphic design. Yeah, why not? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be applying decals. I don't, I don't see why that couldn't be the case. When I was a kid, I called them decals because I thought that's how it was said. I always said, I still say decal. It's short for decalcomania. Is it? Yeah. Me? Yeah. No, I don't see why not. And we're in the 24th century, at least on Earth, people are supposed to be able to pursue whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to be in Starfleet as a graphic designer, what color uniform would I be wearing? Is that a gold uniform? I don't think it's uh, a blue, because I don't think it would be a science. Neither do I think it falls under command. I think you just wear one of those ceremonial robes all the time. With the, <laughs> with the gold piping? Oh, like, no, I like... Q's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Q, the Admiral with Q's all the Admiral gold, pipe. with all the gold leaf, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. color you want, but with lots of gold leaf. That's, that seems reasonable. Yeah, but uh, in actuality, I think it would probably be the gold uniform because that the, seems to be more. The design people are the only people in, in Starfleet that always wear hats. <laughs> with, oh, can they have feathers? Of course, they can have feathers. Yes. Oh man, I can't wait to wear my my feathered Trek cap. Do it. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna I'm gonna design my. Uh, my Trek uniform for uh, the uh, for the Starfleet uh, the Star the Starfleet graphic design brigade as much flair as you can handle. Starfleet's kind of a like a has a kind of a naval feel to it, so there'd have to be some discipline of uniform. Yeah. In official functions, but like so, I'm sure the design dudes if they had to go to some official thing, they would wear regular uniforms. But within their office, yeah. it'd be all over the place, like crazy. So yeah, I'm still curious as to uh, how Troy gets away without wearing a uniform. Oh, well, back to that. I don't know. I think it's just, again, she doesn't feel like it. and Nobody thinks it's important that she does. Yeah, but it just seems like Picard doesn't seem like the kind of captain who is lax on uniform. He mellows out later. He gets his captain's cardigan. Yeah, but that's still that's still Starfleet sanctioned. Unless, yeah. you, unless you think he had that jacket made for himself. Well, Crusher wears a cardigan, too, a lot of the time. It could be another just, like, office politics thing where, mm-hmm. like, Troy is like, I'm going to wear this pantsuit and and if you don't like it, then I'm going to complain to HR. And he's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. So, okay, whatever. Would, yeah. Troy kind of does strike me as the HR of of Next Gen. Like, if somebody had a complaint about, like, you know... <laughs> like, yeah, Mr. Worf is staring at me inappropriately on the yeah, bridge. Yeah, like, I feel like she's the one who would feel that. I think if they wanted to talk about how they felt about that, they might go to her. She might be involved, but I don't think the complaint would go directly to her. Mm. Oh, maybe, well, who knows. I can't think of anyone else who it would go to. Maybe Riker. He's busy. <laughs> Klingons will be Klingons, he'll say, and they'll be like, you're a tool of the patriarchy, Riker. It's not, you're not helping me, Riker. Nope. We've rung enough out of this episode. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what episode is next, though. I never I know look. what episode I is look. I like next. having the surprise of not knowing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of good. I, the, I do feel bad at the end of these uh, podcasts that, uh, like, join us next time for <laughs> join us next whatever. Time. Join us next time and we'll probably talk about replicators and hair. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, thanks for sticking with us, guys uh, and gals. We've, this is officially our 10th episode. Yes, it I is. think we were talking about maybe every now and again doing um, something a little bit different. For oh us. yes, indeed. So we might do a review of I don't even know yet something something crazy. We have a few options. You want to? Um, we could tease that or just yeah, yeah. Let's surprise. tease it a little bit. Um, All right. We, I do have a copy of the Star Trek: The Next Generation VCR board game. Oh yeah. Starring the man who played Gowron mm-hmm. as not Gowron as but still the Klingon. Klingon. Yeah, as a Klingon. He has a name. I don't know. Yeah, uh, uh, Captain Kavik. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I do have a VCR, so, yeah, there it is. Just like the majority of the people listening to this do not. VCRs are kind of old technology now. Not a lot of people have them anymore. People who want to play this game, like, do you think this video rips of the VHS tape? There are. So you can play it? On YouTube, you can find it. However, it's not not a complete rip. Like, whoever put it up just edited out all of the uh, in-between time counting down stuff. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, so you can't play the game with the video rip. You can only watch it. Oh, man. Uh, However, you know, I have the technology to do that myself. So perhaps... (laughs) Don't say that. Google will be knocking on our door soon. <laughs> with a lawsuit for you. Oh, I haven't done it, you know. It's true. I have the ability to do many things that, you know, may or may not be legal. I think I might rebroadcast a football game, an NFL game. <laughs> Without the express Without written, written consent of only, the National Football League? I only got verbal consent. <laughs> oh, no. You bastard. Okay, guys, we'll have a nice... Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us yeah. here on the Diecast Enterprise, and we will see you next time. Bye. Straight making that money. Straight making that money. Young players getting raised out here, and all the chicken head bitches.